makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down, the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. This is the Conquer Local podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets here. We give you the distilled vision of their extraordinary feats and connect their stories to your everyday life. Our hope is with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm your host and the creator of the show, George Leith, and we're very proud to welcome John Hoskins, the founder of Level 5 Selling. He began his career as an account executive with Xerox Learning Systems. And I'll tell you one thing, in my career, if you can find somebody that sells electronics, like Xerox or a Minolta. They're very, very well-trained. And we are going to learn a lot in this episode from John Hoskins. Get ready, Conquerors. Coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. And here is our guest, John Hoskins, founder at Level 5 Selling, joining us on the phone today. John, welcome to the Conquer Local Podcast. Oh, thank you, George. It's a, a privilege to be with you. You know, in the four years since we created the show, one of our goals was to, you know, just help sellers get better. Um, and what I love about your organization is you're focused on sales leadership. And uh, if you listen back, I, don't, I can't remember the episode. Maybe I've said it a number of times. I have to ask the team. They probably will nod and say, yeah, you've said it a lot. But I've got this line <laughs> of there's no bad salespeople. There's just bad sales managers. And, and I got a feeling that you agree with me. Oh, for sure. Um, there's that old line, which is people join companies, but they quit managers. And you see it time and time again in sales organizations. So how, how do we take a sales leader and get them to understand that that they're a partner in their team's performance. Like it, we're all in it together. Like I know the good ones see that, but when you're coaching what good looks like, how do you get them there? Well, you know, we start with a, a model that helps them visualize, um, you know, five different levels of leadership style um, that we've observed and our, our clients have observed in their sales leaders. And I think everybody can relate to these levels. Uh, if your listeners sort of visualize a staircase with, with five levels, you know, one through five, five steps. And I like to describe this in a scenario where, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Mary is, is a newly appointed sales leader. And in fact, she's going to be a sales leader on the same team that she used to be a member of. And uh, quite often organizations don't provide any kind of, leadership skills training to new sales managers. The tendency is to hire really great sales reps and assume that they can be really good sales leaders. So um, the first thing that typically happens in that scenario is um, that leader uh, believes that if the team likes her, uh, that they'll perform brilliantly just for her. 
And the problem with that idea is that, you know, we all know that admiration doesn't necessarily mean respect and leadership is, is not a personality contest. You, you have to make tough decisions all the time that may not be very popular. So uh, a salesperson obviously will perform better for someone that they like versus someone they dislike. However, um, in order to reach kind of a peak level, you know, based solely on being a buddy, what we call the buddy level, um, it just it doesn't work for them. And they realize that. And uh, this is the type of person who, who can, you know, kind of play favorites. And uh, of course, over time, that that really doesn't work for the team. Second level, they move to is kind of, well, I think I'll you know be more like a parent. We call it the parent level. And this is a leader. Um, after they learned that buddy does work, uh, they decide to take this approach and they kind of overlook the salesperson's limitations and, and that kind of stifles innovation. And this creates a, 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 a mentality of entitlement. So they're sort of like the helicopter parent of today, you know, that performers aren't really allowed to think for themselves that, you know, kind of put barriers around them to keep them from getting hurt or armed or, or harmed or injured, which we know sometimes mistakes are the best way to learn, but it really stifles the learning of, of that, um, of that individual. And it, it has its limitations. So once again, Mary says, Oh gosh, you know, being a parent isn't the, the right way to go here. And they move to level three and, and level three is, uh, basically me, three stripes, you know, me, three stripes, you two stripes, my way or the highway, kind of a boss approach. And, you know, it's the old theory X and every idea, every expectation, every kind of direction that's given comes from above. And, um, the problem with that is when you tell someone to do something and it doesn't work, it's not their fault. They blame you. And so people, <laughs> like you said earlier, you know, they're afraid of losing their jobs and they have very little passion for the work. And at this point it's kind of micromanagement and, um, that whole idea of people joining good companies and leaving bad managers, this is the one that's, it's kind of the, that's where that occurs. So then we, we, we sort of moved to level four and, you know, because Mary was a, an exceptional salesperson, she begins to become what we call the expert coach. And this is someone who actually has the wisdom to um, success creating mentoring of, of salespeople. And she passes along the knowledge tailored to the specific needs of the individual, which is very helpful. And the salesperson is compliant, but not necessarily committed because the expert coach is all about telling someone what to do. And a true leader has to learn how to ask rather than tell. And so this, this kind of expert coach feels very evaluative to the performer and it's not very developmental. So in time, what we hope is that Mary learns that this whole idea of becoming a partner is like, and I have your back, we're on the same team, we're on the same side of the desk, there's no hierarchy here. And they pass along their wisdom situationally through inquiry versus telling. And I remember I had a boss at Xerox, uh, I was a baby rep or a baby manager, and I used to call the VP of sales and say, hey, and, you know, John, his name was John too, I have a problem. And he would say, well, he just started asking me a question and I finally got frustrated with him one day. And I said, John, every time I call you with a problem, you ask me questions. I know, you know, the answer to this. Why don't you just tell me? 
He said, Hoskins, if I tell you every time you call me with a problem, you're never going to learn to think on your own. So I'm going to continue to ask you questions. <laughs> that was a real aha for me. Uh, so that, that leader really helps people self-diagnose. And that helps too, because often the leader isn't there. And that individual performer does have to self-diagnose. So the partner balances, you know, uh, coaching both strengths, making sure that those people bring those strengths intentionally to work every day and use them well. And then they look for areas of development. So they gain a lot of commitment from the performer versus compliance. And that's the model that we, we uh, developed. When you look across sales organizations and those five levels of leadership, what, what is the most common level that you're seeing today? And is that different than five or seven years ago? I would say the most common is probably between the boss and the expert coach. And um, I've you know worked with senior sales leaders who have been in sales leadership a long time. When they see this model, the reflection they often have is I'm kind of in the expert coach model or mm-hmm. the, in mode. And they try to move to partner after realizing this whole inquiry versus tell approach. Uh, newer people tend to fall into the boss thing. Uh, you know, I'm, I have to get it done. Don't I don't have time to waste asking you questions. Just do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> so I, I find that that boss thing is a lot of times first time managers. They've waited their entire career, whether that's a week, two weeks, 20 years, 30 years to be the boss. And now everyone has to do as I tell them. Are, are you seeing yeah. that as well? Is that, is that your experience? It is. I, I mean, I, I think you nailed it. It's new people. And, uh, they just haven't, unfortunately, you know, organizations promote people into sales leadership so quickly without any kind of preparation. A lot of the, the projects we do now are with hypos. So they identify people in the sales force early on that look like they're candidates for management and they prepare them. So there's a readiness level when that person does get a new assignment to not fall into these traps of being the, the buddy, the parent, the, you know, the, the boss or the expert coach. When I was looking through your, your bio, I see that our, uh, our experience lines up a little bit. And, and what I've noticed in this is, you know, we probably made these mistakes, um, a, a number of times and, and, you know, we, what we've been trying to do as an organization is have an MIT manager in training. That's just the thing. It exists. You, you know, you kind of aspire to go there because we've had people that we promoted to management and we've had to back them off and that sucks. And it's super demotivating. And it also is not you know, when you do promote somebody and they happen to be one of your top performers, the last thing you want to do is demotivate one of your top performers. So it's, it's interesting to, to hear your take on this. And I love the five levels of leadership. I completely concur with that. I want to talk about something that you, you know, you guys have built at your organization called universal coaching and this aspire model, please inspire us with aspire. Hey, you stole our tagline there, George. That's great. You know, I'd I'd like to go back, though, and just, you know, hitchhike on something you said there about um, your experience with, you know, promoting people and then getting your your high posts lined up. There's a very high percentage of sales representatives who are successful getting promoted into sales leadership jobs and and failing. I'd say it's over 50%. And it, they fail for two reasons. One is, you know, they just didn't have the right DNA. But a sales leader is a very different set of skills than someone who's a great sales professional. So three things happen when you make that mistake. First of all, you lose a good salesperson. Second of all, you probably demotivate a great sales team. 
and you have to take a lot of time to replace that manager. But the the third thing that kind of happens is, you know, you really derail that individual's career. And, you know, none of none of those are good outcomes. So I agree with you. You, you have to prepare and have a readiness team uh, to, to move into sales leadership. L- let me go back to this universal coaching piece, which uh, I, I find, um, you know, in the three areas that we focus on, as David may have mentioned, we talk about coaching call quality, which we really believe is very, very important to the quality of the opportunities that go into the pipeline and the forecast accuracy and the win rates and margins and profit and revenue growth. If you get call quality right, everything else seems to fall into place. Then there's account strategy. So you've made a call, you've identified an opportunity, it's in your pipeline. Now you have to strategize. How are you going to navigate the decision process of that buyer, all the influencers and decision makers, and move that sale forward and, and get closure and win the deal? But this is an area of performance challenges, the broader things that frontline sales leaders face every day. And, uh, you know, th- these are, um, it's actually a problem solving model if you look at it, but um, it's useful to have a model to have a conversation like this. There are several of them out there. Aspire happens to be ours because we think it's memorable and repeatable. And it's a series of questions again, that the, the sales leader can engage in with the performer. And, you know, an example might be you're launching a new product. And this representative uh, comes to you in a, in a monthly one-on-one and you say, well, how are you doing on promoting the new product? And they say, George, I- I'm going to hold off on introducing the new product to my customers until I see how this thing goes in the marketplace. Well, now you have to have a coaching conversation with this individual and it's not like coaching a call and it's not like coaching account strategy. So um, really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a way of having a conversation with someone to help them come to the conclusion uh, that they need to act, in fact, act on the new product and begin to sell it to people. And I, I, you know, I use the acronym uh, ASPIRE, Aspire. And uh, would you like me to just walk you through the steps? That would be great. We'd appreciate it, John. So uh, the accomplish, uh, the A is accomplish. And it, it really is just establishing what it is you mutually agree to needs to be accomplished here. So an example might be in this situation, you know, George, you and I both know um, that making our numbers this year depends on us both selling this new product. So the conversation I want to have with you today is all about making sure that we meet our numbers on the new product launch. Um, and you get agreement to what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, the next thing is to say, well, you know, tell me about the situation. What, why are you thinking the way you're thinking? Um, and what's the, where are you stuck? I mean, where are you feeling like you really can't get the traction with this? Or what are some of the concerns that you're in, in, encountering in the marketplace that make you think the way you're thinking? And then the, the sort of says, well, you know, here, here's what the status is. This is really what's going on. And you say, well, great. W- what problems are getting in your way from where we want you to be? Like, what what is really, where, where are the areas where you feel you just can't overcome uh, a problem that you're facing and getting this introduced in your accounts? And you have a conversation about that. And then the next thing you say is, well, Tell me ideas like let, let's remove the restriction restrictions on the solution. There's no budget. There's no limitations for five minutes here. Let's just talk about things that you could do to get you there 
and how you could make those problems go away. And now you're innovating. You're getting that person to generate ahas on their own of things they might do. And then you just come back to that list and you say, okay, let's put some realism to this. What are the things you think you could do that would move you in the direction of accomplishing the goal that we mutually agreed to? And you, you itemize those things. And then the last piece, E, is, well, how are you going to execute? What are you going to do? When are you going to do it? How are we going to follow it up? So you have a plan that you can follow. And then the next time you have the one-on-one, you can come back to that and say, did we actually execute against the things that we said we would? The benefit of this approach is it's a collaborative approach. It's not the manager telling someone they need to do something. It's taking them through a problem-solving discussion in a collaborative way that they're committed to the actions they're going to take. One of the things that I've noticed in this model and others like it I don't see any difference in the way that you're interacting with your sales rep as a coach in the way that you would interact with a customer as a sales rep. There are so many parallels in the way that, so why is it so hard for a top performing salesperson to become a coach when you're just saying, do the same stuff you've been doing with your clients? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, One is often uh, companies will send a, a leader away to a workshop and teach them something like the Aspire model And then they'll hoard it and not teach it to the representative as well. Mm -hmm. In our work, we always make sure that the representative learns exactly what the sales leader learns. So imagine this, George, that that salesperson could be a coach as well. They might coach a peer. They might coach a client. um, They might coach their boss. And they should be able to lead an Aspire conversation as well as anybody else. In fact, many of our clients tell us that they use Aspire with their kids. So... (laughs) It, it, you know, it, it's universal. That's why we call it universal. It can be used in a variety of different situations. You said something in there that I just want to call out. And that was, you can coach other reps and not have a title of a manager. Well, in fact, I think peer learning and peer coaching is probably more potent than manager or leader to, to individual contributor. Why, why do you think more sales leaders are not utilizing that component of peer? Like I, I'm starting to see it, but yet I'll still walk in and work with an organization that is, you know, you got to do it my way. This is the way it's going to be done. They're not using that collaborative coaching type of a methodology. It's just cultural. Um, some organizations have coaching cultures where, you know, feedback is the norm and people don't get the hair on the back of their neck up when someone tells them, you know, that there's a, a need for change in their performance and, and talk them through that. Uh, where that doesn't exist, um, you know, I think you see higher turnover, you see less less productivity, uh, longer, you know, ramp to productivity times, things that are, are symptoms of, of an organization where coaching is not the norm. I, I mean, it, it, McKinsey... Um, Gartner Group, Bain, all of them have come out with studies saying one of the key strategies in 2022 is to create a coaching discipline in your sales organization. And exponential growth is possible. I, you know, I always like to give people um, an aspirational why around revenue if you adopt something new, because I've found there's some people that just, ah, it's going to be fine. Let's keep doing it the way that we're doing it. But we're talking about, you, you have case studies where you've exponentially increased revenues through this, through these, uh, methodologies. Um, 
we worked very closely in the beginning with clients to establish the metrics of the projects and initiatives that we undertake. And um, in fact, we do have very good evidence of increasing uh, revenues. We have we have one situation where uh, we actually had a company have a pie, you know a, a control group, a group that did not go through our system, and another group that did. And you know it, there were very large improvements in revenue productivity, margin increases, and in fact a, a 50% reduction in turnover in that particular client group. Uh, it's impressive. And I've been impressed with your organization since we met you folks. And I really appreciate, John, you coming on today and teaching us about those five levels of leadership and then your universal coaching and aspire model. I'm sure that uh, our listeners will appreciate those learnings. If people want to get in touch with level five selling, how do they do that? Well, um, all three of my books, uh, level five selling, the level five coaching system and the level five sales leader are on Amazon. Um, I can be reached at, at John, J-O-H-N, at level5selling.com, all spelled out, and then one word. And then our phone number is 800-975-6768, 800-975-6768. Happy to have a discovery meeting with people and uh, see if we can help them achieve their revenue goals. Oh, that's great, John. We'll put all of that into the show notes and make sure that people are able to get in touch with uh, Level 5 Selling whenever they would like to reach out. And thanks for joining us in this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Thank you, George. I appreciate um, being invited to be on your show. And uh, I, I have a, a place in my heart for Saskatoon. I, I lived there at one point, so I know the best borough hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it's iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. Thanks, John. Yeah. Take care, all. Bye-bye. Big thank you to John Hoskins for sharing his knowledge this week on the Conquer Local podcast. Here are our team's top two takeaways from this episode. The five levels of leadership. And I, I love this. The buddy manager. I've done that. Ugh. Um, the partner in performance, where we want to be. And the fact that we need to move people from level one, two, and three into level four and five. And I love that he called out that level three, we see so much of this, especially in technology, where I'm going to show you the shiny button and that means you're going to buy. Um, we need to be focused on that partner and performance, solution-based selling, outcome focus, the five levels of leadership in sales. One of our top two takeaways. Number two, the Aspire model in coaching. What do we want to accomplish? What's the current situation? What problems? What ideas? Are those ideas even realistic? And then how are we going to execute? That is the acronym of ASPIRE, and that model is universal. And to John's point, you can use it in a lot of different applications, not just with your teams. If you'd like John's episode, be sure to listen the next time you're waiting in the car, having a coffee, or walking your dog. Episode 235, There's No I in Team Sales, with my good buddy, Peter Ermson. We discuss the sophistication of customers' knowledge and how it's evolving. The sales teams that need to be on the cutting edge, keeping up with the trends and changes coming from the big guys like Google, Facebook, and Bing. Or Episode 425, and Five Mistakes Leaders Make with Their Sales Development Reps from David Delaney. By recognizing and avoiding mistakes leaders make, your sales development team will have greater ROI and deliver better results for years to come. 
or episode 314 from the Master Sales Series, How to Have Effective Discovery Calls. You need to make sure you're deploying different tactics to match where your customer is as you perform discovery on your sales calls. That's just three of the over 200 episodes we've produced in the last four seasons to help you conquer local. If you found value in this episode, please leave us a review wherever you consume your podcasts. This feedback will help us grow and better adapt to what you want to hear in future episodes. Be sure to subscribe to the Finney Award-winning Conquer Local podcast as we continue to welcome extraordinary sales leaders, marketers, and entrepreneurs. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery by Jacob Soley. Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Brett Clarenbach. Executive producers Brendan King, George Leith, and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.